Take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. So we have been spending a, a few weeks going through a series that I've titled In the Beginning, and we are seeing how we can encounter the goodness of God in the book of Genesis. Uh, for uh, our intents and purposes during this series, we can't treat every single uh, character or incident or chapter or verse. I've already enlarged this series from 6 to 7, from 7 to 10, and I'm having to hold myself back from, from going any further than that. But I, I want us to at least get a, a good grasp of what uh, the book of Genesis has for us to learn about in the beginning, how the goodness of God has been there from the very beginning. Today I want to share a message with you that is very simply entitled, Earning a Ph.D. in S.I.N. Now, if you've hung around here at First Baptist very long at all, uh, you have heard that statement. It's uh, something I'll share from time to time. I'll remind you that I have earned a Ph.D. in S.I.N. And uh, when you start to chuckle at how I've earned it, I then try to remind you that you've earned one, too. You've got the same degree in the same uh, uh, program discipline of study. That is to say, you and I are experts at sin. Did anyone ever have to teach you to sin? I mean, did anyone ever, I mean, uh, we never had to set our kids down and say, okay, this is how you lie to us. Anybody have to do that? Anybody's kids lie to them at any time? At home? I hope y'all are more alive at home than they are here. Um, we, we, we don't have to teach people how to do that. We, we don't have to teach ourselves how to do that. We are experts at what it means to sin. And the book of Genesis shows us that. And we're going to look at that again today from this perspective. You know, in the beginning, man spoke one language. There was a universal language that everyone spoke. But then we're introduced in Genesis chapter 11 to the multiplicity of languages that all of us sudden, man no longer spoke one language, but now I tend to believe that before Genesis 11, everybody spoke Southern. That's just my understanding, specifically the Southern I speak. I speak Southern coming from Arkansas through Mississippi, now in the Redneck Riviera. So my Southern dialect is very profound, and, and I, I prefer to think that that's kind of how people spoke before Genesis chapter 11. I really kind of doubt it. That's how I like to think that they might have uh, have been speaking during that time. But after Genesis 11, there's, there's an incident that occurs. It's called the Tower of Babel. And as soon as this occurs, man begins to speak numerous languages, and it all really comes to a head. And this is God's response to man's sin. Now, at the outset, you go, what's the big deal? They were just trying to build a tower. But what we're going to see this morning is, although it doesn't seem like their actions are terrible, evil. I mean, all they do is build a tower. It, it, what happens here gives you a glimpse into the root causes of sin. Have you ever wondered what makes sin sinful? Well, we're going to answer that question as we think about how we all have earned a PhD in SIN and how hopefully we will see the remedy for that by the time, our, by, by the time we are finished here this morning. So we're just going to look at the text and what I want to do in the first few verses of Genesis chapter 11 is draw your attention to three lessons that we learn about sin. Number one is this. Just jump right in. Number one is this. 
Sin is a failed attempt to find in someone or something else that which was lost in our relationship with God. Now let me back up and repeat that because I know that's a long statement. I tried to think of a concise way to say it, and this is as short. It was three times long as this when it first got started. This is the shortened version of this truth. Sin is a failed attempt to find in someone or something else that which we lost in our relationship with God. Look at how Genesis 11 opens up. It says, now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. I think that's just the other side of Tallahassee. Verse 3 says, they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for, for stone and bitumen for mortar. And look at verse 4. Then they said, the people said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now I want you to pay close attention to what they're wanting to build. A city, a tower that reached to the heavens, and a great name. Think about that for just a second with me that they want to build a city. Think of that as a home. They want a place to belong. They want somewhere where they can live and exist. They want a place to belong. They, they, they attempt to build a tower that reached to the heavens. They wanted to do something in their life that would give them some sense of security, that would connect them to God. They wanted some sense of security in their life, and they wanted to build a great name for themselves. They wanted to be connected to greatness. Now watch this. The irony is that in the Garden of Eden, when God created man and woman, God gave us all three of those things in relationship with him. We lost it through sin. But when God created man, we had these desires fulfilled. God had already given us a city and a tower and a name in creation, in our relationship with him. God gave us a city. God was our home. God was the, the, the place where we had a sense of belonging. That came through fellowship with him. God had given us a tower. That is to say that, that doing God's will was our source of security. That is what connected us to God. God had given us the ability to have a great name in our lives. The greatness that we sought was found in relationship with God. However, the people rejected God. You and I have rejected God. And when the people at the Tower of Babel, they felt the need to try to reclaim what was lost because of their sin. That's exactly what sin is. It's an attempt for us to find in someone or something else that which we lost in our relationship with 
with God. This is why the tower tells us it reached up toward heaven. They were trying to get back to something that they had once had in God. Now think about it. What they're longing for, what they desire, a sense of belonging, security, greatness. Is there anything wrong with those desires? No. The problem is not in their desires. The problem was in how and where they sought to have those desires fulfilled. And you know what? A few thousand years later, in 2020, it's the same thing that's happening again. You know why? Because even though the years have changed, people have not. We've been earning our PhD and SIN since the very beginning. We still desire those same things. We all want a city. We want somewhere that we can belong. We want a group to which we belong. We want a tribe that will accept us. We all want a tower. We want something that will guarantee our safety and our security. We all want a great name. We want to be connected to greatness and significance in our lives. A sense of belonging, a sense of security, a sense of greatness. Is there anything wrong with those desires? Absolutely not. The problem we encounter is not our desire for those things, but it's where and it's how we seek to fulfill those desires. So listen to me this morning. Every city you seek to establish Establish in your life. Every tower you try to build in your life, everything you do to try to make your name great, that is an attempt to regain something from God that God designed for you to find and give in Himself. And when you come to that realization, when you come to the understanding, that belonging and security and significance and, and doing something of greatness, that that can only be found in relationship with God, it will change your life. Because it means that you stop trying to build your towers. You stop trying to build your cities. You stop trying to make your name great. And you focus upon the relationship you have with God. Sin is a failed attempt not an attempt, a failed attempt to find in someone or something else that which was lost in our relationship with God. Here's lesson number two. Sin begins in the heart before it moves to the hands. Sin begins in the heart and then it moves to the hands. We try, we are people who try to, to treat the symptoms instead of the root core of the problem. We're people who seek to modify behavior instead of modifying the heart that impacts and changes the behavior. Look at what our text tells us in verses 5 and 6. 
Verse 5 says, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. That's some interesting uh, language that God uses in his discussion as he, as he talks with the Trinity in relationship in verse 5. He says, and the Lord came down. That's a little play on, a little, here's a, a seminary side nerdy note. That's a little play on words. The people said, we're going to build a tower up. And God said, let's go down. And it was, uh, it's very condescending language that God is, is saying, we're going we're to frustrate their plan. They think they're doing something great. We're going to show them what greatness is. And when he said in verse 6, nothing that they propose to do, that is heart language. God is saying, if this tower is built for their name, for their glory, for their sake, nothing that they propose to do in their heart, nothing, their heart's desire will be accomplished. And the desire of the heart, God knows because of sin, because we have a PhD and SIN, that heart's desire is always crooked. Sin begins in the heart before it moves to the hands. Remember, what they're seeking is not wrong. It is how and where they seek it. They were supposed to receive these things from God. They were supposed to receive these things in their relationship with God, but they instead wanted to receive these things for themselves in their own way, by their own strength, so they could get the glory. I want to teach you or remind you of a very valuable truth. Sin is best understood by looking at the middle letter. Now this is, for those of you who are here, the audience participatory portion of our program. What is, and you at home, I know you'll answer loud and vocally, what is the middle letter of, now I'm going to give you a hint. It's right after H in the alphabet, okay? What's the middle letter of sin? I. That's right, it's you. It's me. It's I. Sin is best understood when I look at my life, because I'm the one who has earned my PhD in S-I-N. Sin is about what I want instead of what God wants. Sin is about my strength instead of God's strength. Sin is focuses on me getting the glory and the attention, not God. Look, the wickedness of sin does not originate in how immoral the act of sin is. The wickedness of sin originates with the heart that is behind the sin. And that causes us then to ask the question, what's in my heart? Hey, look, put away how moral you think you are. Put away how many good religious deeds you think you've done this week. Put, put away what you think you've done that's been good. And just, just think about it from this way. Day in, day out, by whose will do you live? Yours or God's? 
In whose strength do you seek to live day by day? Do you try to live life in your strength or in God's? Whose glory are you most concerned about, your glory or God's? Whose reputation do you put at the top of your list, yours or God's? In every heart there is a throne and a cross. If you are on the throne, Jesus has to be on the cross. But if you will put Jesus on the throne, you'll find yourself on the cross dying to self and allowing God to live through you. Because sin, it doesn't start with what you do. Sin begins with who you are. It starts in the heart before it moves to the hands. So sin then is our failed attempt to find in someone or something else that which we lost in our relationship with God. And and that sin starts in our heart and it comes out of our hands. And what we have to understand as well, the third lesson about this sin is that it always overpromises and underdelivers. I, I want you to look at that statement. I want you to burn it into your memory. I want you to write it down if you need to write it down because you need to understand this about sin. It will always, without fail, always overpromise and underdeliver. It will always take you farther than you want to go. It will always keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll always cost you far more than you want to pay. Sin always overpromises and underdelivers. Look at what it says in verses 7 and 8. God continuing to speak in verse 7 says, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. And then the verse is not on the screen, but it's in your Bible. Uh, Verse 9 says that they called that place Babel, because it was there that God confused the language of all the earth. And from that point, God dispersed them over the face of the earth. Now, what I want you to notice Because what we've heard about sin so far is not good news. In fact, the only good news that you'll hear about sin is that someone else has dealt with it in your place. And there's even a hint of that right here. And if we don't, if you just read by it, you'll you'll miss it. Look back at verse 8. The Lord dispersed them from there on the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Okay, what you don't see happening in this verse is you don't see God coming down from heaven and destroying the people. If God's name was Jonathan, that's what would have happened. I'd be like, had the biggest bug zapper ever and just. But God doesn't do that. It simply says that they left off building the city. God does not tear down that tower. God does not abolish and wipe out that city. Instead, he leaves it there to rot. He frustrated their attempts because God is attempting not to judge them without mercy, 
but God's attempting to wake them up. Is God stopping the city? Is God stopping the building of this tower? Is that an act of judgment or of mercy? Yes. <laughs> Both. It, it, it's an act of God's judgment. It's an act of God's mercy. God is allowing them to experience how disappointing sin is before they fully plow down that path. And, and look, listen, any judgment before the final, ultimate judgment is mercy. And God is allowing them to see that sin does not deliver on its promises. It would do me well, it would do you well to look at our, to look at our lives and to say, what unfinished cities are in my life? What broken towers are in my life? Where have I experienced disappointment, frustration in the areas that I have yet to surrender to God. Those are there with the intention to point you back to God. You want to be safe. You want to belong. You want to experience a significant life. All of those things are found in God. Do you want to be known? Do you want to be valued? Do you want to be a recipient of the approval of someone who is more significant than you? You are known. You are valued. You are accepted by God. And that love from God, that acceptance from God, it is richer, it is deeper, it lasts longer than the love or the approval that you will find from anyone else. Are you trying to be someone special today? You are special to Him. Are you trying to matter to someone, you matter to him. The arms that you long for are not the arms of another person, but they are his. The security you seek is found in the promise of God. The significance for which you long is only experienced in his presence. You can build as many towers as you want to build. You can start as many cities as you want to start. But outside of God, you will not find your value. You will not find your worth. You will not find your significance only in a relationship with God. But here's some really good news. God is building a better city. And God is building a better tower for his better glory. You see, Genesis chapter 11, we see man attempting to build a tower back to God to regain what he lost, but he fails. You know what happens in Genesis chapter 12? Now, we're going to spend several weeks looking at this. What happens in Genesis chapter 12 is that God starts to build his own tower, but he starts in an odd place and with an odd person. He chooses an old man with no children, and he starts to build a better city and a better tower, and in so doing, God demonstrates not human strength. God demonstrates human weakness so that God would receive the glory. Now, did God accomplish his purpose? Did God accomplish the purpose of building this new tower? Let me take you to one more place. 
Because as we leave Genesis chapter 11, we see man coming to try to build a tower to be significant to God, and they're failing. Let's fast forward all the way to Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before, not a tower, but standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Oh, there they are, the scattered nations of the earth from Genesis chapter 11. But this time, they are not all speaking one language, nor are they gathered around a tower proclaiming the glories of their strength. Instead, we see a picture of how they are speaking multiple language, gathered not around a tower, but gathered around a throne built by God himself, proclaiming that wisdom and glory and power and honor and salvation all belong to God. That was a good spot for an amen, and y'all totally blew it. How is that change possible? How do we go from Genesis chapter 11 to what we see in Revelation chapter 7? I'll give you a clue. His name starts with J and rhymes with Jesus. Who do you think it is? Jesus. He comes and lives a life that we cannot live. And he dies a death that we should have died. And in him, we find the significance that was lost in our sin. You see, I earned a Ph.D. in S.I.N., I didn't earn a degree of righteousness, but I have one. I didn't earn a degree of mercy, but I have one. I didn't earn a degree of salvation, but I have one. Not because I earned it, but because it was given to me. So you've got a choice this morning. You can build a tower for you, or God can build a tower through you. You can build a city for your name, and it's going to fail just like it failed in Genesis chapter 11. Or you can ask God to build a city through your life. It's found in relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning, if you're watching us online and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, there's nothing you can do to earn it. All you have to do is receive it. It's a gift that God places before you that if you will simply receive that gift, the way you receive that gift is by calling out to God in prayer and asking that God would give you that salvation, confessing and repenting of your sins, asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And you can do that right where you are. There may be other decisions that you need to make. Maybe God has placed upon your heart a decision for that salvation. Maybe you have more questions about that. Maybe there are other decisions you need to make. Here's what we want to do 
this Sunday and every Sunday, even though we don't have the invitation as we normally have it, we still offer this invitation to you. If you're here in our sanctuary at the pew in front of you, you'll see a yellow card that says, My Decision. If you need to make your next step or take your next step in your relationship with God, you just complete that card when you leave here today, drop that in the box on the way out, or hand that to me out on the way out, and we'll follow up with you regarding your decision. If you're at home watching, you do the same thing online. The same information is online, fbcmilton.org decision. Just go to our website. You'll see a graphic that says, My Decision. Click that graphic, the same information. I've oftentimes said, and I'll say it many more times, that the greatest tragedy that will ever happen on the face of the earth is to know that every person that's in hell, not a single one of them had to go there. If that's your destiny today, it can change because of Jesus. He's simply a prayer away. We're very thankful that you joined us for worship today, and before we dismiss, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Our church, you, you, you church folks, have been so faithful to give so that we could continue ministry and mission through this awkward and weird time. If you came today prepared to give, if you're here on site as you leave, you can drop your offering in the boxes that are provided. You can also go online, fbcmelton.org. Again, you'll find a link there for giving. You can mail it to the church office. You can drop it by the church office. You can use the drop box by the church office. Uh, we, we so appreciate you being faithful in your giving. That allows you to be a blessing and God to speak through you. Remember that next Sunday, provided Sharknado is not happening, <clears throat> which I wouldn't be surprised if it does. Next Sunday is Welcome Back Sunday. The tapes on these pews are gone after this week. <laughs> the, uh, the, the tapes on the pews are gone after this week. In fact, I may, I know it's a Baptist church, but I may do, dance a jig as I walk down the pews this week and uh, remove those pieces of tape. And uh, we'll also, next Sunday, we will resume providing nursery child care as well as preschool worship. So we take a big step back toward normality in our way our services are scheduled next Sunday. Again, we'll just have the morning service at 10.30 a.m. We will make an announcement next Sunday, an official announcement. I know that's unofficially, it's words kind of spread around already with conversations we've had, but we'll make an official announcement regarding uh, connection groups and Sunday school classes, as well as our Wednesday night scheduling. We'll make an official announcement about that next Sunday morning. But we know that next Sunday, June 14th, Welcome Back Sunday, we will still continue to provide online as we have for several years now, but we'll also uh, be back close to normal here in the sanctuary, so we look forward to seeing you either online or here in person next Sunday. Let me close us this morning with a word of prayer. Father God, I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ has done for us what we will never be able to do for ourselves. Lord, I have tried to build towers in my life. I have tried to build cities in my life. I have tried to find greatness outside of a relationship with you. And Father, I, I can't. I fail every time. I'm thankful for your grace and mercy and forgiveness that makes it possible for us to have significance, for us to, to find meaning and purpose in our lives.
So as we leave this place and go into the world this week, Father, help us to view every person we encounter as a person that you love and for whom Jesus died. And may we always be ready to give a hope and a reason for the hope that's within us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.